Hey, come on, church, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Man, it never gets old being able to share in the stories of life change, and so congratulations to the three that made that decision today to go public with their faith. And man, I just wanted to highlight a couple of things. We had Easter last week, PE and the team, they brought it, it was an incredible service, but a couple things I wanted to highlight is that we got to host for the very first time over 110 brand new guests from our city got to come in here to High Street. You can put your hands together for that. And then on top of that, get this, we had 14 people decide to put their faith and their future in Jesus Christ. Come on. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And I did wanna highlight a couple of other things. And so often, um, especially with the staff here, back when I was on staff here at High Street, um, man, there's a lot of work that goes into making these things happen. And so uh, I know Coco is out, but where is Darian? Is Darian in the room right now? Darian in the room? Well, anyway, let's put our hands together for Coco and Darian. They put on the Easter egg drop. They did the whole thing. Nine people gave their life to Jesus just at the Easter egg drop. So we're super excited about that. Well, today, we are back in the Gospel of Mark, and we're taking a look at the series that we're in. We're covering the whole thing, and it's called uh, This Incredible Journey, where we're looking at the firsthand account in life of Jesus. We're calling it, Who Is This Man? So how many of you, you're expectant, believe in God for a word this morning? You say, that's me. I'm expectant. I'm ready. I want you to turn to your neighbor in this short message. I want you to turn to him right now and say, this one's for you. This one is for you. I want you to turn to your other neighbor, the one that you ignored, and tell him, it's for you too, it's for you. Hey, we're in Mark 4. If you've got your Bible, turn to verse number 35, and while you get there, I just wanna give some backdrop and background to the book of Mark. So Mark, believe it or not, is actually the oldest uh, account of the firsthand biography of Jesus. Uh, Mark, many believe, is actually a scribe of the apostle Peter. So much of the words that we've been reading as we've gone through this series, Who Is This Man?, have actually come from the firsthand account of Peter. Mark is scribing it down as Peter begins to tell the stories. And so this was the very first one to come out. Now, if, if you're new here today, or maybe you're just kind of, I would call it, kicking the tires of Christianity, seeing, is this whole thing real? You're in good company, and today is a perfect text for it. Uh, I know exactly how you feel. I, I was an agnostic, came to faith at the age of 26, and went on a journey myself discovering who is Jesus. But one of the things that I love about the Gospel of Mark is this, is that while it is the firsthand account of Peter and many of the apostles, what I love about it is that it's written with people, with eyewitnesses in mind. As you read through this text, it was only written 40 years after Jesus died, and so much of what was written down, he, they would say things like, hey, go back and talk to these people. They would say he appeared to over you know, hundreds of people here. He appeared to the apostles here. You can actually go and talk to him. And what I love about our faith is that it's not a blind faith that we just leap out and jump and hope that this is true and real. And as we read this today, you'll see this is a crazy first-hand eyewitness account of absolute craziness that outside of fairy tales, you're sitting there thinking like, how could this be real? But when you read this and you see just how they, they, they marveled at Jesus, their response that doesn't make any sense, it begins to open your eyes to what God has for us. So I'm believing that God has a word for us today in this short text. So if you're in Mark, let's start reading in verse number 35. It says this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. 
So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. His head was on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Then Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, saying silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you afraid? You still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. And this is the title of the series, Who is This Man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, it's, it's so interesting as we read this text to see what Jesus does. It's also interesting to see the context in which this comes. And here in chapter number four, what we find is that Jesus has been doing ministry all day long. He's preached multiple sermons. He's healed tons of people. Thousands of people have been coming to Jesus with the intent on being healed. They, they want something from Jesus. Jesus, I've got a need. You need to give it to me. Jesus, I need healing. Please come and help me. Jesus, I'm here. And so all day long, Jesus is pouring out. The disciples are trying to help facilitate, make sure that there's order within the chaos, saying, okay, let's, let's help all these people. And Jesus, he seems to be giving that help. I mean, that's, that's what I want for my Jesus, right? Like when I show up, Jesus, you're gonna help me. And Jesus does. He helps all these people. But then, here in the passage, out of nowhere, he says, hey, we're getting across to the other side. I would imagine at this point in Jesus' day, he's spent. I mean, he is absolutely poured out. I know when I get done with just preaching two messages on a Sunday, like I'm wiped out. My wife will tell you, I'm gonna go take a nap once we're done, okay? Jesus, I'm sure, wanted to take a nap, and that's, we see he does. He's taking it on the boat. But what's interesting is that for us today, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of Simon Peter. This book, this gospel of Mark is written from his eyewitness account, and so I want us to think about what must Peter the leader of the disciples, the one who was supposed to have it all together, what was this like for him? No doubt, as Jesus sends them off into the boat, he says, Peter, I'm gonna take a nap, I'm going to bed down, you're in charge, buddy. I mean, you are a professional fisherman. You, you've spent your whole life on the lake, your family, the business is there on the lake, like, you're good, Peter, you, you take it from here. Now imagine, there you are, professional fisherman, you set out, the wind's at your back, the sun's at your face, right, it's setting, it's a beautiful scene, everything is going well. You ever had seasons like that? Like you just can't do any wrong. Like you show up, you don't even study for the test and you ace it, it's like, come on Jesus, right? You show up at work and it's like, you know what, you need a raise. Well thank you, hashtag bless baby, Woohoo! There's those moments, you just show up, you're like, wow, God, I didn't deserve any of this. There's other moments in our life where we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place, and we're like, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what's gonna happen. And God shows up, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. The disciples at this point in time have been through these seasons. That more than likely, this was around a year to a year and a half of Peter 
and specifically him, but the disciples as well, walking with Jesus, seeing who he is. Now imagine if you were for a moment, if you're here and you've been a Christian for more than a year, you go back and you think, what were those early days like? What was it like putting your trust in Jesus? So I love seeing these baptisms here this morning. We see brand new believers putting their faith and stepping out saying, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you control. Would you lead me? And it's a beautiful thing to watch. But I want us to take a look at this passage here. Here comes Peter. Jesus gives him the keys and he says, all right, buddy, you got the ship now. You know, God does that with us. He says, all right, Ben. He says, I'm gonna give you the keys. When my wife and I got married, we, we created a brand new family. And we started having kids, and all of a sudden now it's like, man, I've got like five mouths to feed. There's, there's some responsibility that comes to bear. Maybe you're here and you're getting some promotions, and all of a sudden now you've gotta lead some people. Simon Peter was no different. He's got some responsibility. He's got a ship. He's there at the helm. He's gotta take charge. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, tragedy strikes. Violence hits. The unexpected finds its way in. You ever been there? Like what once seems so easy, all of a sudden now seems like waves are over 10 feet tall. Here's Simon Peter and he's like, man, I thought I had it under control when we left port, but all of a sudden now we're in the middle and I don't know what's to do. What's going on? And he comes to this point of desperation where he gets to the point where he's like, Jesus, you've entrusted me to handle this, but I don't know if I can. Maybe you walked in this morning, and that's the season that you find yourself in. What once seemed like good times and easy going now seems like wind is always at your face. What happens when the wind and the waves are against you? What happens when God's will is against the waves? Jesus, I need you. Here's Peter, the winds and the waves strike, they're battering the boat, and Jesus says, man, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can do this, and so he does, he does the natural thing. He cries out. But it's interesting, look how he cries out here. He, he says something that I think I can relate to. I don't know if you can relate to it this morning, but he finds himself in such a desperate situation that he cries out, and he says this. He says, God, where are you? Jesus, you're sleeping? You're on a cushion in the middle of my crisis? What are you doing, Jesus? You're in comfort, while I'm in pain, well, I thought we were in this together, Jesus. You ever felt that way with God? God, why, why is this happening? I thought we had this kind of, this, this symbiotic relationship, right? I read the Bible, I pray, good things happen. Right, isn't that how the Christian life works? I'm a Christian now, everything should be smooth sailing. Jesus, I'm following you. But that's not what we see here in this passage. Here's the people that are closest to Jesus, the ones that call him friend. These aren't people that are in the crowd trying to take from Jesus. These are the people that Jesus, I want you to get this, if you don't get anything else, these are the people that Jesus loves the most. Because they're in the boat with Jesus. And the winds and the waves, they begin to hit. And Simon Peter makes this statement. Don't you care? <laughs> 
Look at verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind, but soon a fierce storm came up. Now, some context, some historical context for this area um, is that this is on the Sea of Galilee. And a little side note from Wikipedia that this is actually the lowest freshwater lake in the entire world. Now, the Dead Sea is the, the lowest that is salt, but this is the lowest that's freshwater. And so it creates some interesting dynamics with fish and with water. Not 30 miles north of this location is a Mount Hermon, which covers and, and surrounds, right, this lake. So it's 10,000 feet tall. And what happens is that the weather at the top of the mountain, this cold air begins to accumulate, and it rushes down into the warm air that's near there on the lake. And what happens is the cold air hits with the warm air, and it creates these catastrophic and chalismic storms that happen just like that. In fact, many people believe that in this day and age, because there wasn't radar and technology, that storms could pop up within 20 minutes. Imagine being out in the middle of the lake where you can't see one side from the other. This isn't like Table Rock or Lake of the Ozarks, right? This is a spot where when I look to the other side, I can't see it. This is in the middle of nowhere, and the storm, it shows up. Now, this is interesting because these, once again, before Jesus calls them to be fishers of men, these were just fishermen. These were men who professionally lived on this lake. In fact, many believe that the boat that they were currently in would have been Simon Peter's or his father's boat. That this was a professional fisherman's boat. And when Jesus says, hey, we're going to the other side, that it would have been easy for them to hop in and have some comfort. This wasn't a new rig. This was something that they would have been familiar with. And in fact, living on these waters, they would have been very familiar with these storms. So it wouldn't have popped up and they wouldn't have seen it like, oh my gosh, this came out of nowhere. They would have lived in this area. So when the storm pops up, this is larger than anything that they've ever seen. This is more than likely larger and more fierce than anything that their parents have ever seen. More than likely, they would have been in a situation where professional men who do this for a living thought they were going to die. And here it is on the lake, the boat filling up, we put ourselves in Simon Peter's shoes. You're at the helm. You're in charge, and you don't know what to do. You ever found yourself in a situation like that? Like you started out, and you're like, God, I got this. God gives you a call on your life. He's like, I've got this calling for you. This is what I want you to do. This is how you're going to make an impact in the world. And you say, I got it, Jesus. Here we go, me and you. And you start walking, and things are smooth sailing. Everything's going your way, and then all of a sudden, you start to hit some turbulence. You start to hit some rough patches. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where you become desperate. Like, like God, God, what are we gonna do? Like, I know you called me to this, but all of a sudden now, I don't feel like I can take another step forward. Or maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I had no idea that that was coming. Here comes the bad news. I had no way to plan for that. God, what, what do I do? Simon Peter is in that situation. And look at the words of Jesus here. It's absolutely astonishing. Here they are. Simon Peter asks a question. He says, he says Jesus, don't you care? What, what are you going to do? And look at Jesus' response. I love this because it highlights Jesus. It highlights Jesus so well. Verse number 39. 
Jesus wakes up, he rebukes the wind and says to the wave, silence, be still. Jesus says this to a hurricane, silence, be still. I say this to my toddler, silence, be still. Jesus says this to a hurricane. Jesus says this to a natural disaster. Jesus says this to something that puts you in your place and you realize how small you actually are. I say this to my kids. Jesus says this to the storm. And what's interesting is that he just uses two verbs. He speaks it, silence, be still. And what scripture says is that, continuing on in verse 39, it says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. The word there, great calm, in the Greek literally means mega calm. Let me turn to your neighbor and say, mega calm. Say it with some attitude, mega calm. How many want some mega calm in your life? I know I do. I got three kids, pray for me. Mega calm. Jesus just, he says it, mega calm. Again, put, let's put ourselves in these shoes. What is actually happening? You're in the middle of the hurricane, the most powerful moment. Waves are crashing over. The boat is about ready to capsize. His life is going to end. Jesus says, silence. Be still. It becomes so silent that I'm sure the glass, that the water looked like glass. You could hear the crickets. Peace. Be still. How many know that we serve a God who is the Prince of Peace? That oftentimes what we find ourselves doing is that we pray for peace, but Jesus says, I am peace. I'm the Prince of Peace. And so often I'm praying for this, I'm praying for the the, the thing that happens when Jesus shows up, when Jesus says, why don't you just pray for me? Because with me in my presence comes the peace that you so seek. Jesus demonstrates with two verbs, peace. That word is for somebody here today that you need to quit striving and struggling, that you need to quit fretting and being anxious. Honestly, you need to just quit praying about the situation and you need to pray for God's presence in your life. Jesus, show up. Peace. Here's Simon Peter. Jesus speaks. Peace, be still. And what's amazing is their response. I mean, this is how you know that it couldn't be some fairy tale because If it were a fairy tale, you would think that what would happen is Jesus says it. He doesn't wrestle with it, right? He isn't over there like rolling up his sleeves like, oh man, I gotta try really hard. Here's the incantation. I'm wrestling, I'm struggling, right? And then all of a sudden it sort of pieces out. No, that's not what happens. Jesus just says it. And you would think that what would happen is the disciples would be like, it's God, right? All the hands are up like, oh, praise Jesus, right? He's there. Jesus is here. You would think that's what it would say, but that's that's not what it says, is it? Look, Look at the verse with me. Verse number 40. Calm comes, and Jesus asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Savage, isn't he? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then look at verse 41. The disciples were absolutely terrified. You see, the reason that they're terrified is that before they were in the middle of the storm's power, 
And all of a sudden, with two verbs, they realize that now they're in the presence and the source of all power. You ever found yourself just small? We, we do this with people in interactions all the time. I know that I do. Like, I, I'm, an, I'm an athlete. I love to go and play sports and things like that. But there's a time and there's a moment when you come in contact with someone that is a true athlete. You, you find somebody that was a professional in whatever it is, and you begin to look at yourself compared to them, and you think, wow. Like, I'm not even in the same class. I, I'm not even, I'm not even uh, able to be in the same league as these people. And we do this with beauty, we do this with athletics, we do this with finances. When we come into contact, think about it, if, you were to, if the president were to give you an opportunity to go see him, if, if somebody that was royal or dignitary said, hey, come and see me, there's this moment where there's, there's this awe and reverence. And that's for a human being. Here is God, the source of all power. And it says that their response is that they're even more terrified than they were in the storm. They see Jesus for, for who he is. I was thinking about this this morning and just thinking about the fact of like so often I look at this and I look at Jesus and he's so often my friend. I love that I have the opportunity to talk with Jesus and walk with Jesus, be able to pray to him on a personal level. But many times I forget the fact that he is all powerful. That with two verbs he silences the storm I wonder how often in your life God's allowed you to struggle. He's allowed you to wrestle. He's allowed you to be at the oars because we've refused to call on his name. Oh God, I know you're a friend, but I don't want to bother you with this situation. God, I, I know that you love me, but I've got it from here. So often we do this in the Christian walk, in the Christian life. We say, Jesus, you saved me. Jesus, I put my trust in you. But now, I got it from here, baby. I am good. Jesus, it's okay. You, you got a good one here. You picked a real winner, Jesus. And then we start to struggle, don't we? And we start to realize that, man, maybe we're not so good. <laughs> maybe my ego has gotten the best of me. Maybe my pride has come into play, and this is how we know. This is how I know. The moment that my pride is kicked in, what I look at is I see my life and it's prayerless. I wonder today, what does your prayer life look like? Do you really believe that God has all power, or have you given up? There's a situation right now, a relationship. You say, God, it's over. And you allow bitterness to creep in. You're saying, nah, they're too far gone. And God is saying, I want you to call again on my name. There's somebody here and you have allowed a situation to so take over your life that you can't have peace and joy in the middle. And Jesus is saying, guess what? I'm right there with you if you would just call on my name. You would find the peace that you're looking for. Peace, be still. And they find themselves in this situation that's absolutely terrifying. You know, often I wonder, and I thought about this as I was going through this passage, is that when Jesus, he doesn't call on another power because he is 
the higher power. But the fact is, is that all power is on loan from Jesus. That the winds and the waves had to borrow their power from the source of it. So what does that mean? It means that the situation that you find yourself in literally has to borrow power from Jesus. It has to go forward on the word of Jesus. Now you may sit there and think, well, Ben, there's a lot of bad things in my life. There's a lot of storms in my life. Remember, who are the people that are in the boat? Are these acquaintances of Jesus? Are these people they just found randomly on the street? No, these are the same people that he says, I love. These are my closest friends, and he puts them in the storm. Just because you're in the middle of a storm doesn't mean that God isn't trying to work the storm out inside of you. Just because you're in the middle of the trial doesn't mean that God isn't there with you. And he's saying, if you would just call on my name. So often we're powerless because we're prayerless. Jesus, we just call on your name. One of the most powerful prayers that you can pray, Pastor Eddie said it several months back, it's this word. And you would think it'd be super eloquent, right? Like this is the most powerful prayer. Anybody excited for the most powerful prayer you can pray? Are you ready? Are you expecting Here it is. Help! That's it. Jesus responds to his kids. Jesus responds to those that he loves. They're in the middle of the storm. They even cry out like, Jesus! Wake up, Jesus, where are you? And he silences the storm. Peter, at the end of his life, Again, this is his eyewitness account. He comes to a conclusion that I think those that have walked with Jesus for a little while, that have gone through a few storms, they end up discovering, is that Jesus doesn't save you from the storm, but begins to work the storm out inside of you. First Peter chapter one, verse seven says this, Peter writing, and oh, by the way, when he writes this, it isn't like he's writing from some ivory tower. He's literally writing this in Rome. As many scholars believe, he's months from being crucified upside down. Now, if you, I don't know what trial you're going through, but I can guarantee you it isn't that. Jesus, or excuse me, Peter is right here, and he remembers Jesus, and this is what he says, and I, I, no doubt he's remembering this situation. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I want you to hear me today, Christian that the trials that you go through are showing that your faith is genuine. He's there. He's testing us. And this fire that tests, he says, is purifies like gold. Though your faith is far from precious, or excuse me, that faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. How often do you and I, we enter into a storm and we say things like, God, do you even love me? I just went through a bad breakup, Jesus. Do you see me? Jesus, I've got my card from my man with all the attributes and I have not seen him. Where is he at? Spoke to somebody. Jesus, I just got the bankrupt. I'm sitting over here with my business and I'm gonna go bankrupt. Where are you at, Jesus? Jesus, I've been praying for reconciliation for years. Do you love me? Do you even see the situation I'm in? 
Peter's speaking to somebody today. So often we find ourselves in these situations. And what Peter, I believe, is telling us is that it takes the struggle to produce strength. That it takes the crisis to produce Christ in us. That it takes the friction to produce faith. Where are you at, Jesus? I mean, Peter is you, and Peter's me. Why are you asleep? You love me. I wouldn't be sinking. If you love me, I wouldn't feel this way. You ever felt that way with God? If you love me. That so often in my life, I feel that way. Where'd you go? Maybe you're in a season of dryness right now. It's like, God, I've been doing what you tell me to, and you feel so distant. You feel so far. I thought we were doing what we were called to do. Where are you at? Frank, can I tell you he's right there? He's right there in the boat. Just waiting for you to call on his name. Here's Peter. He calls out. And look what Jesus says here. Jesus doesn't say, you know, I understand why you felt that way. He doesn't say, man, I'm sorry, Peter, that this happened to you. No, Jesus, once again, he's always pushing us. He says, why are you afraid? Jesus is just as unmanageable as the storm itself. So often I hear people say, the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not safe. It's not safe. But can I tell you one thing? I know that he's good. I know that he loves me. C.S. Lewis in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, these kids are there in Narnia, and they come across the king. It's this character called Aslan, he's a lion. And I love how C.S. Lewis depicts God in this picture. Here's a little girl, Susan, she says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I'd feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. What is Jesus getting at with Peter, and what is he getting at with you and me today in this tiny little passage? You see, if you know that God loves you, you can find calm in the middle of your storm. I came here to tell somebody today that you can have and you can keep security in the middle of uncertainty. That you can find comfort in the middle of crisis. That you can find faith in the middle of fear. That you can find Jesus in the middle of your struggle and in the middle of your situation. He is there. He's waiting for you to call on his name. And the reason we feel so empty is because we're prayerless, church. Jesus, 
Where are you? I'm right here. Just waiting for you. Call on my name. It's so simple, isn't it? There's nothing complicated about this. And yet here he is. And Jesus says to Peter, and I believe he says to you and to me today, you still have no faith? I haven't abandoned you. I love you. 750 years before Jesus would arrive on the scene, there was another storm that was depicted in the Bible. And this account is actually mirrored in the Gospel of Mark. Mark actually mirrors the story here on the Lake of Galilee with this story in the Old Testament. Word for word, it goes picture by picture. In the account, it shows that both Jesus and this prophet go out on a boat. They go out into the sea. And all of a sudden, a great storm arises. In both accounts, they're sleeping in the middle of the storm. And sailors and fishermen both come up to them and say, help, we are, we are going to perish. Do something. In fact, the Greek word is actually the same. It's apollomi, meaning cast out, almost like thrown overboard. We are going to perish. A miraculous intervention happens in both stories, and the sea is immediately calmed. And in both cases, the sailors are far more terrified after the storm than they are before. This is the story of Jonah. But as you're probably thinking, there's, there's a difference, isn't there, Ben? There's a difference between the two. In the first account, one is thrown into the storm, right? He's gobbled up by the sea monster, Jonah. In the second account, Jesus, he just speaks and the storm is calm. But I don't think that's what Peter's getting at. In fact, as he thinks back on this account at the end of his life, I think it's the exact opposite. Because there he was with Jesus, and Jesus' words here in Matthew 12, he says this, for as Jonah was for three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up to the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, something greater than Jonah is here. Friend, the reason you can face crisis and storms in this life is because Jesus is the true Jonah. Jesus is the true Jonah who was thrown into the great storm, the ultimate storm of life. That he didn't back down and stay in the boat. He said, the great storm of life is sin and death. And I will be thrown into that storm for you and for me. I won't sit passively by. I won't wait in some ivory tower. I come down and put on this dirt suit that I call humanity. I will walk this life. I will live the life that they were supposed to live. And I will be cast into that great storm. And by my death, they will be healed. A greater Jonah has come, church. And he knew the struggle that you would be in. If a God like that would throw himself into a storm for you, what makes you think these little storms he isn't with? Peace. 
be still. There's someone here today and you need to come again. You need to come up here and you need to pray and say, Jesus, I need you. There's somebody here today, you just need to yell out help. There's somebody you've been praying and praying and praying. Guess what? You need to come again.